Hello, everyone. Good afternoon. I hope you're doing uh, pretty well. Happy Friday. Can't believe we're in March already, but that's how it is. Time flies. Again, we're, we have uh, the uh, honor of having uh, Adam Barr joining us. Let me bring him on screen. Hi, Adam. How are you doing? Hi, Tide. Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Uh, welcome back again. Uh, pleasure to have you. And just as a reference for our audience, just so they know, um, over the next uh, few months, we're going to be working very closely with RTV advisors to bring a lot of uh, financial education, tax strategies, a lot of uh, uh, topics that are important for business owners that are going to get more familiarized with you. So you, you, you are going to be... Uh, uh, a very welcome guest on a very, uh, what is this, a like very uh, short period of time in this in this show, um, Adam. So it's, it's going to be a, a pleasure to work with you and your team because I know that you're going to be providing a lot of value to our community. So welcome again, Adam. How you doing? Thank you. I'm doing wonderful. It's always great spending time with you and the audience. I'm excited to be a resource and bring value. And, um, you know, we, this is a lot of opportunity. The topic of money and business and finance and success is, is uh, there's so much to cover. So I know I'm honored to be a household guest with the audience and with you, and I'm looking forward to contributing. Household guest, that's the word I was trying to think about earlier. But, you know, I'm, I'm excited because I got the uh, the schedule from Juan Pablo for what's coming. Really, really good topic. So I know that our audience are going to be very uh, grateful for the type of content that we're going to be sharing with them over the next weeks. And we're going to start getting them all uh, warm up with today's presentation, Adam. So the stage is yours. And remember, at the end, we will have a Q&A for anyone who wants to ask uh, any questions to Adam. Uh, we will have the Q&A at the end. So thank you very much to everyone that is watching us live. And make sure that if you are watching this presentation later that you share it because share is love. Okay. Okay, Adam, the stage is yours. Thank you so much. And thank you again, everyone, for joining us. I'm going to start with a story as I start most of the conversations that I have with individuals and with groups. So I'm going to share with you a story of one of my clients. Uh, his full name is confidential, obviously, but we're going to call him Moses. And uh, Moses was a very young, ambitious individual who immigrated to America. And he came to America with about $600 in his pocket, right? You know, many, I know, how many of you came to America with a little bit of money in your pocket and you made it a very successful life and business and family? And so I know some of you are, you know, it's, this story is familiar to you. And so Moses came to America with very little bit of money uh, and he worked for a small business owner kind of who took him under his wing and started learning the real estate business. And he got into um, some of the transactional real estate business, got a little money, earned a little bit more, and then started uh, with his own real estate structure. It was a little apartment in the beginning. And that apartment was sold for a lot more than he bought it for originally. And then he flipped that into a house and that house become, became a few houses and those houses became uh, a building and those buildings became a few buildings. Um, and through his 20s and 30s, uh, it became multimillionaire. And then something happened, you know, that he didn't expect. He was uh, actually sued. He got into a lawsuit with some of the investors and, you know, a familiar story to how many uh, individuals that are successful. It seems that so many of the successful people get involved in, unfortunately, or get sued because uh, some individuals believe that they can, they have deep pockets, right? Um, but he was able to manage uh, to skate out of that, that spend over a number of years 
So now he's in his mid thirties, uh, you know, almost forties. Um, and he started having a family and that took a long time and a lot of effort, right? You know, it doesn't matter how much money you make, you want to be there for your family. If after all, we do it all for our family and our loved ones, right? And uh, he really climbed back from this lawsuit and uh, again, continued to be very successful. Um, and then 2008 happened. And here he is in his, um, you know, like much, much later uh, in the continent. And um, 2008, um, because of the way that he was buying those properties in a syndicated fashion, um, he leveraged a lot of that money. And like many real estate uh, professionals and individuals and structures, um, his business really, really suffered to a point where he had difficulties even paying basic bills. One of the things that you make when you make a lot of money, you also have a lot of liabilities and a lot of responsibilities. And so when I met him, this is the situation where he was in. And so we started working on some of those structures and uh, tax opportunities and a whole bunch of, um, you know, like entity structures. And we were able to create a plan that from 2008 and beyond until now, we were able to diversify a lot of the things that he had left even after the you know, debacle of 2008. Um, and we built a more diversified fashion with more conservative stuff, more medium um, or moderate uh, investments, including the real estate that he was doing, but a lot more risk managed where he didn't have as high as a, of a leverage. So why am I sharing this with you? So um, I'm sharing with this with you for a couple of reasons. Uh, but before I tell you that, let me go uh, through this uh, quick dis disclaimer. Obviously, everything we share, it's not a legal tax or financial advice. If you have any matters that pertains to your particular situation, you got to speak to your CPA, your advisor, and your legal professional. But, um, you know, this is for informational only. So um, the reason why I'm sharing this story with you and the moral of it is that irrespective of how someone wants to be successful and how someone is motivated and ambitious and creative and have money, life and the financial journey, the money journey has a lot of elements to it that we cannot control, right? There's a lot of things in our financial journey, aside of our mindset, uh, that we cannot control. It's ever-changing, right? Our life will change. You know, sometimes it's a lawsuit. Sometimes it's starting a family. Sometimes is maybe our industry is really changing. Uh, sometimes we made the wrong decision. Sometimes it's divorce, right? Sometimes it's business divorce. Sometimes it's competition. There's so many things that are unknown in our financial journey that... Um, if we don't have a, a proper structure for it, it's really going to be jeopardized because we're not prepared for it properly, okay? The uncertainty in life. I mean, think about what's happening right now with Russia and, and, um, and Ukraine. I mean, it's not crazy, right? Imagine people one day in Ukraine or in Russia, right, having their life uh, just going like everybody else's life. And all of a sudden, their business gets affected like that. I mean, how much control do we have over that? But when we look at the financial industry, some of those things, um, those elements that we cannot control, and some of the things that we can control, for example, we can choose many different financial tools out there. But when you think about, when you sit and think about, okay, what should I invest in next? Or what financial opportunities do I have? Uh, where could I make the most money? There's so many choices out there, an overwhelming amount of information and data and businesses that people a lot of times are overwhelmed. They, don't, they really don't know what to choose in order to uh, create the most success in their lives. And so, and then we talked about unexpected events and, and all of the other uncontrollable things. And so 
the reason why I wrote my book is the intention of it is to create almost like a Maslow's hierarchy of needs for money where we can provide, um, you know, the insights and the holistic, the comprehensive way of planning and choosing investments, making business decisions, choosing your team members that will help you create this infrastructure and the financial success that you want to create, not just by working in your business, but working on your business and having the ecosystem of professionals to really support you uh, in creating what you want and really being, being mindful of all of the unexpected events that are going to likely um, meet you along the way as you build your financial empire. And so, and even when we have all of those things, there are still threats. And what I see the difference between successful individuals and super entrepreneurs that create mega companies that worth tens or sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars. And they all started in a small business or what we call mom and pop, and then created extraordinary wealth because they had certain things that mitigated those risks and the threats that we're mentioning here. One of the biggest thing, believe it or not, is that having what I call a no plan plan. So just going about business and trying to make it extremely valuable by sheer drive and motivation, that's, that can get you really far. But what we see the people that have a written plan and have people on the board and get feedback from the board and have mentors uh, and have a team of other successful individuals that kind of contribute to the plan, we see that as um, what we call a smart money uh, strategies for business owners and entrepreneurs. And then the other threat that we see is the focus on accumulation versus distribution. So, you know, think about it like you. I mean, many of you or most of you are business owners and entrepreneurs. But how often do we see that business owners really focus on growing the business, growing the business, growing the business, and we never really look at like, okay, what is my business value that, you know, is there any ways that I can enhance the value? What if I have a buyer that is ready to buy my business and can give me multiples of revenues that I can't even imagine right now? Have I checked the valuation? Did I create any other structures that diversifies the risk of the business, right? And then what's my exit or succession strategy? What, what can I do? to increase and grow and accelerate the value in a shorter amount of time in an optimized fashion. One of the other issues that we see a lot is not computing taxes and inflation. I mean, many of you now are living through inflation. You know, some would say it's seven plus percent. Some would say, depends how you measure it, it's about 15%. So if you have any money that's in, in, the, in the business, or if you have any value in the business that is not appreciating or growing at least with inflation right so and and not only looking at that value now but looking at it when you want to unlock the value in the future then you know maybe it's not the most efficient way of building a business right and unaccounted risks and liabilities and exposures you know lawsuits is a big thing uh, miscalculating right not having contribution from other professionals and other business entrepreneurs um, and then, you know, lack of updates. So we see a lot of business plans and a lot of operating agreements that a lot of time has not been updated. And that could pose a tremendous risk in a business. Sometimes we see individuals that were married maybe at some point of their business, um, you know, process, and then they were not anymore after a while. And then they haven't updated any of the operating agreements or any of their trusts or wills, right? And that could be a problem in the future. Um, and then really uh, looking at things just with one advisor that may be not providing the a full spectrum of consulting and business services that you can have access to. And so we have this saying that we talk about a lot is when we aim at nothing, we achieve it with incredible accuracy. 
So if we don't have a written plan and we don't have a time frame and a destination, then I would argue that maybe it's not given us the best possible outcome. And so in order to create this uh, uniform uh, and organized fashion and to give individuals and business owners structures, I broke it down in my book, Unleash Your Financial Powerhouse, into four stages. Because if you think about the story of Moses, what I was talking about earlier, imagine that in his 20s, where he was building his wealth, where he was structuring with the foundation, he actually set up an infrastructure that no matter what happened, whether he got a lawsuit or he got any other obstacle along the way, that he was protected. Uh, imagine if he had a plan for 2008 where we had a growth capital or an opportunity fund that he was able to capitalize on that contraction of the real estate market. And now he had extra liquid money, liquid cash that he could buy things in a, a massive discount in a wholesale price, if you will. Right. So a lot of people don't think an opportunity fund. So we call this the build stage, building wealth, growing wealth, enjoying wealth is the distribution, right? When you want to get a passive income for the rest of your life, that's or unlock the value of your business. And then we call the last stage is the sharing and the legacy. And every one of you and every one of the people that we work with, you are in a specific stage of your life. And every one of those stages, it has a different objective and different outcome. And I put here on the right, if you see, you know, for example, the building is really creating a strong foundation. Think about it like building a house, right? You have to uh, prepare the foundation and make sure that you have the support and the beams and all of those uh, pieces to have what we call a defensive mechanism or defensive planning. And the growth phase or the wealth building phase is more of an offensive planning, which has you know, growth and, and appreciation and, you know, biz, business building and infrastructure expansion, all of those things, the scaling. But it comes a time where the planning transitions into a different types of planning, which is now unlocking the value of those assets that you build. Think about it, you know, most people think about it like as retirement, but we like to think about it as working because you want to, you know, being involved in your business because you want to at the level that you want to, not because you have to, not because you have to generate money to support your family and your lifestyle, right? Imagine how valuable that would have been for someone like Moses. And imagine how would, valuable would it be for you to have an infrastructure like that, that irrespective of the success of your business, you will have a lifetime income and revenue generating structures for the rest of your life. And most people think, okay, well, maybe I'll put, I'll run my business. I'll sell it for a, a million, a few millions or tens of millions, right? doesn't matter what it is, but, and then I'll have enough money for the rest of my life. But what happens with taxes? Uh, we're going to lose 30, 40% of that. What happens if the market change and the business cycle change or the business environment changes and now you cannot sell your business in the way that you wanted to what happens if you have for example other people are involved in the business someone gets hurt or disabled or god forbid die and now you know the business suffers or the key people of the business now don't allow you to run it in the way that it could efficiently run right and so those all of those stages are very important and then of course Many of us and many of the successful people, the smart money that we work with, want to create a legacy and an impact that, you know, not only that they leave, but also something that lives beyond what they were able to create in this life. And whether they transfer it to their family or they create a legacy to, for the community or they create a nonprofit or foundation, and depending on what level you want to uh, create those things. So legacy is very important to some of our clients. And so I took just a, a few points to show you some differentiation of what individual 
and business owners and entrepreneurs do traditionally, what's common knowledge, and then what smart money is doing to accelerate and optimize and create more efficiency in their wealth, building, growing, enjoying, and sharing. So just, you know, look at, you know, in a building phase, for example, you know, most individuals and business owners and entrepreneurs have a checking account or a savings account. I mean, how many of you have used those structures, right? Many of us do. Uh, but what we see the smart money is doing, in addition to a checking or savings account or CDs, right? They create a protection plan. Uh, they create a strategic plan with metrics and timeframes. And they create a structure for uh, emergency fund, opportunity fund, which is money that is allocated specifically to take advantage of opportunities of downside markets, recession, depression, contractions of the market or the business. Um, and then um, creating a plan for the growth and making sure that they have a full asset protection, that the business uh, entity and the business structures has tall enough walls that no predators or creditors can come in and pierce the corporate veil and hurt the uh, structures that they're trying to build, right? So that's really, really important in this building phase. Also, utilization of debt or using credit or, you know, uh, raising money. Uh, there's different ways that uh, traditional uh, or passive money is using uh, those structures and then how smart money is using the structures. You know, smart money often use leverage um, and they use what's called positive arbitrage. So, for example, if they could get money for 2% or, you know, 3% and they can make that money work for them and make six, seven, eight, ten, you know, they can grow a business and expand and their return on investments is maybe 20 or 30%. So to them, it's a calculation of, you know, how can I use this money more effectively, right? Of course, uh, being mindful of the leverage is very important, not to be overstretched or stretched too, you know, thin, right? Because that's where contraction can, um, can be a problem. Uh, but, but, having that calculation would be very important uh, in the growth phase you know traditionally people use stocks or bonds or mutual funds or real estate that you know people own in their name uh, and where the smart money typically what they do um, they use tax advantage structures if they use stocks or bonds they use a lot of times um, you know lines of credit against it or they use um, you know again arbitrage what i was talking about to make that capital work for them. Uh, but also they use the real estate in structures like multi-member LLCs or in syndication. So they create, again, efficiency there or tax you know, neutrality sometimes uh, to benefit more and grow those well uh, that they're building uh, faster, right? And then, you know, traditionally, most people want to buy a home, which is great. You know, it's good to buy a home. It's, a, it's another form of, of investment. Um, and, and most other people create, you know, maybe another additional unit in the home or they create Airbnb opportunities or they create other structures so they can write off a lot of things, depreciate a lot of things. There's improvements that they can do through what's called cost segregations that is, can be very valuable. They use a bunch of structures like that to, to benefit their wealth building um, and then position themselves to unlock the value in the future or create immediate passive income uh, for themselves uh, and for the future, right? And for the family. So the enjoyment phase, you know, or the retirement phase or the passive income phase, you know, individually people use 401ks or solo Ks or IRAs or SEP IRAs. Sometimes they use their business to create passive income. Uh, but, you know, smart money use, in addition to those structures, these th things like private pension or defined benefits, which allows them to deduct, create an expense in a business for hundreds of thousands of dollars and over time millions of dollars and get all that money and all the benefit to them and their employees and the, the key people that are in the company. Uh, instead of just doing like a small percentage for themselves through a retirement account. And they, they create extraordinary amount of wealth through those 
types of private structures or defined benefit or cash balance plans. Um, and, and sometimes they create uh, structures like ESOPs, which allows them to um, create income tax neutrality. Uh, when they sell the business, they don't have to pay capital gains or minimize it tremendously. And then they can still create what's called a synthetic equity, where they still get money out of the business, even though they created the whole value and sold it for the full price, um, they still get synthetic equity and control uh, and get money and revenue, even though they transition out of the business, right? Really phenomenal structures that we see smart money doing, and we do that for them as well. Um, you know, another passive income strategy is, right, obviously social security, retirement plans, and then there are structures that you can create a lot of tax-free or tax-advantaged uh, income planning uh, with structures that we put together. Um, and then, you know, from a protection standpoint on leaving a legacy uh, for family and loved ones in the community, some, you know, traditionally people do will or maybe selling the business or transferring the business to their family, uh, where smart money are using uh, unique structures um, sometimes it's through charitable organizations. They obviously create a trust. And, you know, a, a, a quick word about a trust versus a will. Depending on where you live, but most states, um, if you don't have a trust, a lot of the assets that don't, you don't have a beneficiary, even a home and things like that, when the, um, you know, the parents pass, it goes first to the probate court. Most people don't realize that they think it's just gonna to go to the kids. But a lot, most of the time it doesn't go to the kids, it goes to probate court because that's kind of like a holding place that is determining whether the parents owed any money to anybody or they had any liabilities or any claims or any taxes that was owed. And this process, especially in like um, states like California or, you know, states that uh, sometimes it takes longer um, than it should be, but usually it takes about a year and a half to two years to get the assets out of the probate court and back to the family. And it also is very costly process. Um, you know, it's, it's um, sometimes it's tens of thousands of dollars. Sometimes it's hundreds of thousands of dollars. Sometimes depends on the size of the state. Sometimes it's millions of dollars. And so I mean, how many of you are familiar with, you know, the estate of you know, Michael Jackson or Bob Marley, for example, they didn't have an estate plan and they're still dealing with the, the stuff. Prince, also Aretha Franklin, a lot of individuals did not have proper plan and they found themselves in hairy situations, sometimes decades that is not resolved because people are fighting. You know, whenever there's money involved, you see families fall apart just because there wasn't a, a clear document that discusses what that's going to be for the family and for the loved ones, right? So I just wanted to make sure, and a trust not only includes that, you know, protection for the family and for the individuals, it also includes a, a power of attorney. It also includes things, meaning that if you cannot make decisions for yourself or for the family, you know, someone else that you designate um, and you can control, you can change it any time while you still have, while you're still alive, um, you can designate who's going to be the ones that you trust that will, you know, fulfill on your wishes, right? And then, you know, there's a lot of exchange strategies. For example, when people sell real estate, you know, sometimes they use uh, a 1031 exchange, um, but there's other exchange structures that we can transfer wealth to the next generation, uh, with tax efficiency, which is, again, keeping more money in your, your pocket and your family's pocket as opposed to other people, the IRS, um, just by default. You're, you know, and well, I'll talk a little bit about taxes in, in, uh, in a few slides, but, you know, it's not only about what we make, it's about what we get to keep the accounts. And we talked earlier about control. And a lot of what the smart money realize is that although we cannot control the market, we cannot control business cycles, we cannot control global events, we cannot control the national economy, there are things that we can control. And I call them the ABCDs of investment. And so the A is we can control the allocation. We can control 
how much money we're putting in our business, how much money we put in real estate, how much money we put in stocks, how much money we put in crypto, how much money we put in mutual funds, how much money we invest in oil and gas or international, right? We can control all of that. We can um, allocate a certain amount of money based on our risk tolerance. And you can see here, we put uh, the conservative, moderately conservative, moderate, you know, moderately aggressive and aggressive based on timeline and horizons that someone would have. It doesn't necessarily means that how close you are to retirement, but it means like how much time do you have to withstand fluctuation? If you take the last hundred years of investment, if you were properly allocated, whether it's in small cap, mid cap or large cap, right, blue chip, you know, there is a, a history and data that tells us what it looks like. So even though you cannot project what the future is going to look like and nobody knows, but you know that th that's the data that we have for over a hundred years, right? And so data, you know, a lot of times is, uh, could be another valuable contributing factor in how we could be prepared for the future. Behavior is very important in investments because, you know, and, you know, uh, Taide and I talked about it uh, a couple of uh, meetings ago. You know, people, when they hear uh, money and investments, they have kind of like a relationship that they have with them. And there's a lot of fear. Um, there's a lot of judgment that comes with, you know, dealing with money and working with money and hearing about money and getting involved with money and finance and investments. And so what hurts people is oftentimes the emotional behavior that they have with money. For, and, and it's designed by default to kind of like be uh, not the most effective way of making the most money. If you look at what happens in, in uh, market fluctuation, when it goes up, everybody is going up. But usually what happens is the you know, smart money, they get in very, very early before the actual, you know, uh, hurrah, hurrah, that everybody's jumping on the wagon happen. And they leave before everybody else leave. When do everybody else leave is usually when there's a lot of fear in the market. But at that point, it could be, um, you know, too late because that, that ship is already sailed and it's either going down or going up. And now we get caught up in this downturn or upturn. So, and this is why, for example, Warren Buffett talks about that you got to be fearful when everybody is greedy and you got to be greedy when everybody is fearful. It's the complete opposite of what we are emotionally conditioned to do with money. That's why behavior is something that arguably we can control, but we want to um, condition our clients and the people that we work with to be more disciplined and have be more data-driven and science-driven as opposed to emotion-driven because that is very misleading oftentimes. Um, the other thing that we can control is the assessment of cost and fees. You know, how much are things costing us? What is this investment is costing us? What is this business venture costing us? Not only now to get in, but what is it going to cost us throughout? What is it going to cost us to get out of it at some point? Right. You know, does he have any stipulation that, you know, I have penalties or, you know, uh, early withdrawal things that I have to deal with. Right. So some of those things are really important to consider. And that saves people a lot of money. And then obviously the diversification. And when I say diversification, a lot of people think about, yeah, I understand stocks, bonds, mutual funds, real estate, business. That's not the only diversification I, I'm talking about. I'm talking about institution diversification as well. You know, where do you put your money? I'm also, uh, you know, uh, referring to tax diversification. I'm also referring to your advisory diversification as well, having feedback from a few different resources and sources, right? That's why we're, we're a valuable resource to our clients because we have this hub for one-stop shop for individuals and business owners and entrepreneurs to ask people from all of the, the different professions, from legal, from tax, from consulting, from lending, from, you know, all of the, from fundraising for like for systems and marketing and scaling a business and investment banking, all of those things that um, are involved different professionals. But oftentimes we 
bring more than two or three opinions to the table. And then you get to make informed decisions for yourself and your business and your family. And so I talked a little bit about the diversification of taxes. And on the surface, taxes is this one giant, you know, um, <laughs> bucket of things that we oftentimes don't like to deal with. We kind of outsource this to our CPA or our accountant or a tax professional. Uh, well, what we find is when we get the basic understanding of the opportunities with taxes, um, we are much better off because we pay a tremendous amount of money in taxes. And I'm going to show you in a moment how much money is being lost to taxes that if you just were able to retain some of it and we help our clients retain the majority of it sometimes, the compound impact of this will create extraordinary wealth for you and your family and your business. And so um, there's different types of tax treatment Everything that we do with, we deal with financially or business-wise uh, or economic goes through this filtering of taxes. So if you think about what you earn, right? How many here making income or revenue or K-1 distributions or have passive income through, through real estate, right? Every one of those dollars that we earn has what's called income taxes. And then we deal with even after we paid taxes on that money, when we buy an asset or an investment or a business and that business generate money or income or revenue, we get taxed on it again when we sell it. Okay. Um, and so that's, that's something that we have to think about. It's money that we already paid taxes on and now that grew or appreciated. Now we pay taxes again. And then there is other elements of taxation when you own wealth. So even if you or businesses or wealth or assets, uh, whatever that might be, um, there is things like, and, I, and I'll show you in a moment, um, like net investment and income taxes. There is um, SUDA and FUDA, you know, federal unemployment or state unemployment tax that you, you, when you own a business, you have to deal with, right? So we have this saying that it's not about what you earn or own, it's what you get to keep the count, right? Even if you made, you know, 50% return, but if you were taxed on this, you know, 50, 60%, and then later on, on that growth more and more and more, then only what you keep, it's, it counts, right? And sometimes, right, not every year you're going to have profit. Some years you're going to have losses. And so when you average it out over time, you know, oftentimes we see people that, that might as well, they could have, you know, put their money in the most conservative things and they would have beat all of this risk and fluctuating types of investments without having headaches or worries and fears and concerns, right? And so our model of tax efficiency it can become very valuable because often, oftentimes we find that people choose to reduce risk or diversify it better uh, because we can create tax efficiency. And so here's a little bit of the scope of taxes. Why? And, and a lot of the clients that I talk to, especially in the business arena, um, we really dig deep into the opportunities of savings uh, with taxes. And then not only savings with taxes, but also getting money by having tax incentives, um, getting like, you know, some of you might do research and development. Sometimes some of you might get might be able to get the employee retention credits. There's a bunch of stuff. So if you work in import and export, there's a bunch of credits there that you can be incentivized and actually get money uh, for some of the things that you're doing. Right. So um, so this is stuff that we bring to the table. But I want to show you kind of like the um, brackets, if you will, and why it's so important to talk about taxes and i call it the wealth game because it's it's almost like a game the more you know how much you can keep in your pocket the more valuable um this will be for you okay so we talked about income taxes so every dollar that you make today i want you if you think about that journey of that dollar right if you get taxed at, let's say 30 or 40 percent 
And then you live in a state like California or New York or any other states that have any uh, state income tax, now you're going to pay close to another 10%. This, this is like already 40, sometimes 50 plus percent of every dollar that you make that is being lost. It's a big deal. Okay. And then when you buy an asset, so you manage to, um, you know, keep some of that money uh, and you bought an asset or investment or you invested in your business, right? Any new gains or any new appreciations when you sell it, um, that's new tax that you have to pay. Um, and, you know, it's short, either short-term capital gain or long-term capital gain, depending on how long you held it. And that's another 20 to sometimes 30 something percent of that dollars. And what happens with inflation in the meantime? You know, how many of you needs to buy, buy merchandise, needs to buy um, things, you know, have just maintenance stuff or service stuff in your business? And now how we see all those costs are going up. That's a calculation of tax that we don't really consider. But that don't, you know, uh, let's not fool ourselves. That's another form of tax that the government has to control cost and to control the money in circulation, right? And so the value of our dollar goes down and therefore, you know, our dollar doesn't go as far. So this is a recapture, if you will, and another form of taxation. Um, and then we have wealth tax. Even, so even when we build our wealth and our empire, mm -hmm. now we get in a whole bunch of other taxes that, you know, you hear Every administration talks about we're only going to tax the wealthy and we're only going to tax people that make over $400,000. And it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you are, but you can create plans for yourself and your family that is also paying your fair share, but also benefiting yourself and your loved ones, uh, you know, and balancing those acts uh, and really uh, creating a structure that is valuable for you. And then you have a bunch of ancillary taxations that, you know, we, we're not going to spend too much time on. But we calculated that for every dollar that we make, we usually get to retain, again, if you follow that journey of that dollar, maybe, maybe 30% of every dollar. And with tax planning, very different than tax filing and what the CPA and the accountant do. Um, it, tax planning and is proactive planning for the future and for following that dollar and how it's going to be taxed in the future, like estate taxes, uh, local taxes and wealth taxes, right? Um, so having that tax planning could keep a lot more money in your pocket. So um, here is a, a real illustration of why tax planning is going to be very valuable for us. What we know is that tax is treated in three different ways. You can even have a choice that your gains or your income that is coming out of your assets will be taxed now. And then, you know, whatever you're taxed in the future um, is going to be at that point in the future um, or, uh, or not, right? You can choose there's going to be tax-free. Uh, you can see the bucket of tax never. And you can have a deferral mechanism that is what's called uh, tax later, okay? So tax deferral. So some of us are familiar with retirement accounts like 401ks and SEP IRAs and IRAs, right? Uh, those things oftentimes have two of the tax treatment. And uh, the, 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 the structures that people use for retirement have a choice of either the top two or the second, the second two um, tax treatments. For example, in a retirement account, like for example, in a 401k, you get a deduction today. You don't get taxed for it, but you will tax later in the future, uh, both on the contribution on the gains as well, right? So if you accumulated a lot of money in your 401k, now you can potentially be in a, in a higher tax bracket because you don't have any more deductions like you had in your business. Um, and now, or you may be not married anymore, or maybe uh, you lost a family member, you lost the dependents, right? You, you, you could be in a higher tax bracket. So you can essentially choose which two tax treatments you want. Do you want a tax deduction and tax deferral, but be taxed in the future? Or you give away the tax deduction 
and you take the tax deferral and the and then you don't pay taxes in the future so the irs actually allows you to choose uh which two you want to take sometimes what we do for our clients we minimize if they have a tax deduction for example we minimize the future tax liabilities and we create discounting and we give them the deferral so they can kind of effectively benefit from all three benefits of the tax treatment um and sometimes we we get a lot of depreciation depending on what if we use real estate or not that offset a lot of the future taxes as well okay so it's really important which tax bucket bucket you choose and here is why it's important if you're going to create any asset or business that in the future passively going to give you money right so if you take uh, the kind of the passive way of doing it you get a hundred thousand dollars of income and let's say your hundred thousand dollars is only taxed at a 28 uh, tax 28 percent tax bracket we're not even mentioning the state tax right now that's you know bear with me um, so you're gonna get in your pocket net seventy two thousand dollars right so far so good good and so think about what happens if you diversify that's what smart money do and they create two types of structures one in the top two buckets of taxation and 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 some money half of that money goes into the other two buckets of tax deferral and tax never and here's what happened here's a real case of what happened they get same hundred thousand dollars but fifty thousand dollars they get from a 15 percent fully taxable right because it's less money that they're receiving they're going to retain forty two thousand dollars because again they're in a lower tax bracket and then in the tax never bucket that they get their money in tax deferred bucket they get the full fifty thousand um, dollars and to the total of ninety two five now, if this was you and you had those two options and you look at 72,000 um, and 92,500, uh, which one would you choose? I mean, this is $20,000 more. It's a no brainer, right? And the, 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 the reality is that you cannot switch the tax treatment when it's already come the point where you're unlocking the value of your business or when you get an income out of your assets and investments. You have to do pre-planning in order to make sure that that happens. Now, we have a lot of tools to do this, whether it's through Roth conversions on and um, you know tax offset or loss harvesting, lots of different structures like that that today we don't have time to go through. But I wanna give you kind of the big picture of what your possibilities are. Okay, so how do we do that? Every business owners and entrepreneurs that we deal with we don't assume that their situation is like everybody else, right? We have a, a process, it's called a discovery process. And it's really a get to know process where they get to ask us questions, we get to ask them questions, truly understand what it is that they're doing right now, what is it that they're trying to accomplish, what things they put in place already. And then it allows us to decipher what valuable opportunities and resources and connections we can bring to the table for them. And again, the strategies that we share, we don't charge any money for it. It's all complimentary. That's part of the benefit of being connected to Taide and the team, because we bring this to the table uh, and no cost to you. Um, we do uh, a coordination with our professionals. There are needs uh, and the recommendation would come next after the discovery. Uh, in the recommendation, we would, we would share the ideas and strategies uh, for you. Again, it's no obligation. You can make a decision for you and inform and educate a decision of what, will, what could be valuable, right? Whether it's <clears throat> fundraising, whether you want more capital, whether you need to have scaling, scalability uh, structures in your business, expansion opportunities, right? Uh, and different types of investments, different types of real estate structures with you know, our referral partners and strategic partners. I mean, then we help you. We literally would hold your hand and help you coordinate it. We have what's called a team-based approach. 
that we want everybody that is involved in your success, in your business success, whether it's your accountant or if you don't have a tax professional, we can help you uh, bring you know, competent, advanced knowledge, professional experts in that field that can really help you optimize what you do, whether it's your legal professionals or just consultants, right? Uh, we, we will coordinate a meeting with you and us and, and them to really make sure that everybody's on the same page, making sure that your vision is being implemented in the way that you want it to be done without really having any of those, what we talked about, the unexpected risks or exposures or liabilities along the way, right? And then we do the implementation phase. And again, it's a relationship that we implement things over time with you. Uh, and oftentimes, whether we're in a building phase or growing phase or income phase or legacy phase, there's gonna be different needs and different, different implementation because your situation is dynamic and we want to be there as part of your team to help you create the the most optimal model that you want for yourself and so uh here's how to get a hold of us you know we're uh, a phone call away this is my direct number my cell phone number uh, we're in, uh, different we have different offices both in california we're in dallas in atlanta and in hawaii and we're expanding around the nation and so and we have both English speaking, Spanish speaking, and multiple languages um, on our team members that they speak. Um, I speak a number of languages myself. And uh, you can email me if you have any questions. And I'd like to see if there's any questions now. So we'll open the floor. Thank you so much, Adam. This was a great uh, presentation. Let's switch to, there we are. Um, man. Every time that you come to the show, you drop golden nuggets of knowledge. Um, first off, I really like when you when you started, you know, with your story, but I also like when you mention about the ecosystem of professionals. And this concept, as simple as may sound, when you are a small business owner, it has a lot of meaning because having experts that are going to help you in different areas within your business is priceless, especially for a fraction of the cost, right? Because you can have uh, uh, an attorney on a full-time payroll. You cannot have, you know, a tax strategies on a full-time payroll. So working with RTV and your selected group of advisors, because to my knowledge, you guys have a, a very... Uh, through a, a very deep process on how you select the people that you work with. It's not just Absolutely. like, oh, Tidy is going to be like the financial advisor. You know, so that gives potential clients the trust of uh, knowing that you guys have put together a, a, a group of professionals that are going to deliver and that they're going to try to provide the best service that they can based on your specific profile because this is extremely important to address. Each one of us has different uh, situations in terms of our finances and the money that is coming in and the businesses that we're managing and stuff. And I don't know if you want to elaborate a little more on this, um, Adam, because... Yes, absolutely. I mean, you touched on a couple of things that I think very, very important. One is cost. There's a misconception sometimes that in order to work with some of the best in the industry, you have to come up with a lot of money. And, you know, sometimes we, not only that it doesn't cost money, we find money for them through incentives, through tax deductions, through different structures that allows them, even if there was a cost of anything, right, that it would allow them to really have, you know, state of the art professionals and experts right in their corner and right there helping them and protecting them and making sure that they are doing the right things for themselves and their business. And then the second thing is, you know, we take an extraordinary amount of time to vet professionals and experts, anybody that we're willing and open to collaborate with, they have to have oftentimes decades of experience and we want them to be advanced um, knowledge. We want them to be super knowledgeable and have been working 
in their areas of expertise for a long time. You know, for example, the legal group that we work with, and, and I think they're going to be speaking uh, to the audience as well in a short time. We're going to create a, cur a curriculum. Um, they, you know, they've been in the business for decades and decades and decades. People come to them from all over the country. They have you know, thousands and thousands of clients, business owner clients. And so they've seen you know, real practical situations and they have advised the you know, business owners and entrepreneurs on what would be the best you know, outcome and results and what are the steps for them to get there, right? And so we, we take you know, a tremendous pride in vetting uh, individuals and firms that we work with and bringing it to the table. Um, because something like that for, for a wealthy individual, something like that, you know, would be like a family office structure that people will go in that typically have to have tens of millions of dollars. What we wanted to create is something like that for the middle market mm -hmm. and people like you and I, they're running, you know, a small business with, you know, with employees and sometimes even without employees. And we're just trying to make the best and, and create a wealth for our family and our loved ones. Right. And so that's, and that's exactly what we created is that platform that we bring similar services to what a family office would have, but without the costs and the fees that, you know, the, the, those individuals pay. I agree. So we have Jamie asking a, a question. She has been very active throughout the uh, presentation. She's asking you if the 50-50 that the slide that you share is that a common percentage of investment or is it di different from uh, your experience? Yeah, so 50-50 refers into a model that we do tax diversification through because we want to have control of how much taxes someone would pay. So, and it really depends on the individual because if you're, for example, right now in a lower tax bracket, right? So, you know, it might be worthwhile for you to maybe not take deductions today and defer everything for the future, get the compound interest, and then get everything in the future tax-free or tax advantage. And vice versa, if you're in a higher tax bracket, you know, maybe it, it's the opposite is true for you. So we look at what your tax brackets are along with your uh, CPAs or uh, accountant. And we kind of see, are you closer to a higher tax bracket or a lower tax bracket? And sometimes within a dollar, we get you reduced into the lower tax bracket, for example, right? And then that creates a different types of tax planning for you and for your business and for your investment. So it's not necessarily referring to the allocations of investments, right? We kind of look at, you know, the allocation differently. It's based on risk tolerance. But on the tax diversification, you know, sometimes it's 50-50, sometimes it's 60-40, 70-30, depending on what's your tax situation now and what it's going to look like in the future as well. Because I mentioned briefly that, for example, most people don't realize they're going to lose the majority of the tax deductions as they get older. Think about it. Right now you have a business. You have a home that you bought and you still, you're paying interest and you're paying on the loan and you have, and you're married and you're finding jointly and you have kids maybe and you're having, you know, you're having uh, dependents. But what happens when we are like in our 50s and 60s, kids are grown, we lost those deductions, business maybe we sold it or mm -hmm. we exited out of it and now we get income, we have no offset. The real estate or the uh, property that we bought now is fully principal or it's free and clear. We lost all of those deductions. You know, some people lose a loved one and now they're single filing, you know, individually instead of married filing jointly. That's a loss of deduction. So we have to think about those things. And again, most people don't. And that's the, the awareness, right, that we bring to the table that is more valuable than trying to make just one extra percentage a year and losing the big picture, 30, 40% every year for the rest of, of people's life. That's, that tax efficiency is a tremendous value. And, and I'm glad that, that the question was, um, was brought up. And she's thanking you. And she said that great presentation from Jamie. Jamie, if you want to have a one-on-one -on -one consultation with 
RTV advisors, uh, feel free to uh, contact Adam. Um, there, 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 are, there were a couple of slides that, because I'm very visual, that I was like, man, this is on point. The first one was like the passive money versus the uh, smart money slide that you share. I think from for our audience, and if you are just catching up right now, go back to the presentation and, and pay attention to that explanation that Adam gave right there, because we usually tend to think about passive money most of the times. At least most of our strategies are always focused on passive money. But the smart money strategic approach is how you play the well game. Right, Adam? Yes. Yeah, that's why it's, it is a game. You know, it's uh, money and fiat currency. It's a value exchange, right? So, you know, the more value we can keep in our pocket and in our family pocket, in our business, the more value we can create, the more we'll be rewarded in the future. And, you know, what I showed on that slide is, is very, it's just on the tip of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. You know, we have actual real practical strategies that people, you know, that are maybe using just the traditional or passive strategies that what we help them do with the smart strategies. And we bring a lot of value to the table in that way as well. And and I, I really love when you said uh, that we need to create plans that benefit ourselves. But that doesn't mean that we're going to be like uh, not paying taxes or not contributing our fair share uh to to the irs it's just like protecting our hard-earned money and making sure that we have uh or, or that we have the ability to create wealth that is going to transfer through generations because yes. people that understand the wealth game that's what they do they transfer wealth through generations and the generation like for example my kids are going to be in a better financial position than when I started. And the idea is that they can keep transferring the hard, the hard work that we do through our lifetime to the younger generations. And I think that that approach, it's it's amazing. And, and when we talk about everything that Adam shared today is we need to keep that in mind. You know, we, and you know, Adam, like we, we do everything for our loved ones. And this hard work that we're doing right now, there is no, reason for for it to disappear in like 80 years you know we have to keep yeah. passing it through yes um, you know we don't learn about we don't learn about money in school you know in a way that is really practical and pragmatic and very related to people's lives that we can actually walk away from school and utilize it in our own life right we mm -hmm. maybe even when we learn economy it's theory a lot of it and most people don't use it after school and one of the things that i was committed to in, in uh, writing my book unleash your financial powerhouse was to really give people the not only the big picture but really showing them what the most successful people do for their finances and empower you uh, the individual to really create tremendous wealth and perpetuate it not only for yourself but for the kids for the next generation Because if we don't, even if you created the wealth and extraordinary wealth, so we, we see that a lot of people lose it in one generation, all this wealth gets lost, right? Mm -hmm. And so financial education and literacy and financial dignity, what I call financial dignity, is extremely important. And that's what we're committed to at RTB Advisors. No, that's perfect. I don't know if you want to uh, uh, highlight very briefly again because you mentioned that RTV is a one-stop shop. Do you mind just giving us another like elevator pitch for the people that just join us or the ones that usually watch like the last part of the show? Yeah. Yeah, sure. RTV stands for raise the bar. That's what RTV stands for. Raise the bar. We believe in taking it to the next level again and again and again in every position, every situation that we are. Um, and we are, um, in, in, I'll encapsulate it in this statement, what we do is minimize taxes, risks, and liabilities, and maximize financial opportunities like savings, returns, and passive income, and cash flow. And so in every situation that we get introduced to or that we get referred to, 
uh, or that we bring to the table, we assess those elements. We assess the five key areas. You know, what are the risks that are involved in the foundational level? Is this entity or business or family protected? Do they have an asset protection strategy? Um, do they have a real growth plan, like you know, a financial plan or a business plan that is really helping them take it to the next level and raise the bar, right? And is there any inefficiencies there? Even if they have structures right now, what are the inefficiencies there? You know, are they diversified enough, not diversified enough? Are they making only 5% where they can make 7, 8, 9% in the same risk level, right? Or be better risk level, or lower risk level sometimes. Um, and then after the growth, we look at the passive income strategies and lifetime income strategies, right? Unlocking those values. Um, and then we look at the, um, the structures like um, healthcare, we look at transitional structures now to unlock those values, as we mentioned, and then it's the legacy and succession. And so, and, and the, the wishes of the business owner and the entrepreneur is what drives the um, recommendation and what we do and the, introduce, the introductions that we bring to other professionals. It's not, you know, that we drive an agenda. We, we're trying to understand what the the entrepreneur wants and what they're doing and what is the shortest way and the most optimal way and the most compliant way, because that's important too, uh, to really help them get to where they want to be. Perfect. I know that we are in the um, hour right now and it's Friday and you probably have the margaritas in the freezer, I mean, oh, yeah. in the fridge. Uh, but yes. before, before we go, Adam, I want to share with our audience your, your book, Unleash Your Financial Powerhouse is available on Amazon. This is the book that Adam was referring to a few minutes ago. Make sure that you buy it, read it, uh, and contact Adam so you can have that private consultation because just like he mentioned a little while ago, it's extremely important that, uh, that you have that one-on-one uh, -on -one to address your specific needs. And, and that's it. Anything else that you want to add, Adam, before we go? Yeah, if, I mean, if you buy the book and you're in uh, the states that we're in, I'd love to sign a copy for you and uh, dedicate it for you as well. And um, I, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to hear feedback and uh, see what you found valuable. This is, you know, the writing a book is a, a long process and uh, I've been very, very blessed Uh, to learn what I learned, and I this is was a commitment for me. That's my legacy. Part of my legacy is to leave and empower other people financially. We have uh, our friend Gino Reyes from uh, North Carolina saying he's buying your book. He's gonna reach out to you too. Gino, saludos. I hope you're doing well, brother. Thank you um, very much. Thank so you. thank you everyone for watching this presentation live. Adam, thank you so much for your time. Thank I you. I really appreciate it. And I really look forward uh, to working with you guys. And as you were giving your presentation, before we go, I want to share with you this, maybe like a tagline for, for our upcoming series. Let me know what you think, Adam. A smart money series to learn how to play the wealth game. I love it. I love it. Sponsored by yes. RTV Advisors and brought to you by the U.S. Hispanic, I'm sorry, the U.S. Business Association of E-Commerce and the Hispanic Chamber of E-Commerce. I love it. It's I love it. Be, Have an amazing weekend. Thank you so much great. for having me on. Thank you, Adam. Have a nice weekend. Have a nice weekend. Bye-bye.